Quick plug before the show. NPR is NPR because of hundreds of public radio stations all over the country. And when you support an NPR station, that station invests in local journalism and NPR programming. And then NPR turns that investment into radio and podcasts you love, like this one. But here's the thing. None of that happens without listener support. So if you enjoy this podcast or other NPR shows, totally free of charge, by the way, there's a way that you can help us keep that going. Visit donate.npr.org slash Sam to find your local station and support it. And then share why you did that with the hashtag WhyPublicRadio. Again, donate.npr.org slash Sam. Find your station and give. Thank you. Hey, y'all from NPR, it's been a minute. I'm Sam Sanders. It's Tuesday, and I, for one, am still kind of trying to ease back into things after Thanksgiving. And I'm guessing some of you listening might be doing the same thing as well. So I want to help us all out with a really fun deep dive guest, Jennifer Lewis. You might know her from Blackish. She plays the grandmother, Ruby Johnson, on that show. But that's just her latest role in a career that literally spans decades on TV, in movies, on Broadway. She has done everything. She has a memoir out now called The Mother of Black Hollywood. It is called that because Jennifer Lewis has played the mother of basically every black actor in the biz. When Tupac was in Poetic Justice, she played his mom. I ain't got to be doing this post office forever. Don't be cussing around me, boy. Who you think I am, one of your friends? Be glad you got an honest job. When Whitney Houston was in The Preacher's Wife, she played her character's mom. All right, well, mama, you can look at me from behind. Girl... Don't be talking to me about your behind. I gave you that behind. (laughs) When Angela Bassett played Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It, yep, Jennifer played Tina's mom there too. And of course, along the way, she has worked with Janet Jackson and Denzel Washington. And you definitely know that she played Will Smith's Aunt Helen on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know how some men are animals in bed? Yes. (laughs) Well, I don't. (laughs) Anyway. Jennifer Lewis and I sat down recently and we had a conversation that was wide ranging and crazy and fun. And I loved it. It also got really real. We talked about Jennifer's bipolar disorder and some other very adult themes. So uh, parents out there listening, this might not be a good conversation to let your children hear. Uh, But for the grownups, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Here's me and Jennifer Lewis talking in New York a couple weeks back. For younger folks that might just be getting to know you through Blackish, mm-hmm. they might not know that you had a long career on Broadway. <laughs> yes, I did. What are all, you did so many shows? How, I did what are, you be on Broadway with the Hines brothers, uh, coming uptown with Gregory Hines, um, and then Hairspray. Yeah, and you had a bunch of one woman shows, yes, of and course. you had some cabaret acts. Yeah, so I, I've toured in concert all over the world. That's People amazing. don't know me as a singer. Yeah, but uh, they are now because yes. of the internet. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, the thing with the Broadway stuff that mm-hmm. I loved, mm-hmm. you know, people forget. Even if you weren't getting the role, you were paving the way. Yes. Like you pretty much piloted Effie White for Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. You made that role. Yes, I did. So much so that they still had to pay you. Once what's the face got it? Yeah, I well, Michael Bennett was a genius. He started this whole thing where uh, you would workshop a production before you went into rehearsal for Broadway. And if you were part of that workshop, 
even if you didn't get the role when it went to Broadway, you would be paid, yeah. you know, a percentage. And you were workshopping Effie White. Absolutely. For the play I was the, the... Uh, one of the original yeah. Effie Whites, and they, uh, Jennifer Holliday was fired. I was hired, and then they hired her back. Honey, let me tell you something. <laughs> I could sing. But nobody could sing like Jennifer yeah. Holiday. But so. I would love to, to hear you sing. I mean, oh, you could honey. sing that song. Yeah, I could. You I could sing that song. Well, today I'd have to lower the key. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but no, I, I sang it a couple of times. Yeah. But usually it's just yeah. as a joke, you know. Yeah. I love how in the book, which we'll talk more about in length, mm-hmm. you talk about almost at many points in your career having too many talents. Yes. And folks were like, well, what are they are didn't... you, a singer, a dancer, a comic? In those days, you had to be one thing. Yes. So they could market you And as you could a dance. Yes. You could sing. Mm-hmm. You could do Broadway. You, I was like, funny. You, I was classically pretty. trained. Oh, my God. I was a classical actress. I had, yeah. I had my B.A. in theater mm-hmm. arts from Webster University, and I came to New York, shoulders back, first. <laughs> I was unafraid. I really did. Yes, My ma'am. first review uh-huh. in New York City, the headline mm-hmm. was Hurricane Lewis. Look it's at that. New York. I had been a hurricane all my life. Mm-hmm. And that was, of course, because I was bipolar and did not know it. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, the mania uh, mm-hmm. took control when you're on stage and when you're performing. It, you're heightened. Mm-hmm. And it's an extreme. Yeah. It is an unstoppable force, mania. And then, of course, the depression came with it also. And it was just as dramatic, just as intense. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous disease. And you didn't figure it out until no, later in life. How old were you when I you... Was, I was 30. Two, I think, mm. when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And, of course, I didn't want to hear that. I'm oh, like, what yeah. are you? I've been crazy all my life. What are you talking about? No, what, you have a name for me. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm Jennifer Lewis. You're not going to take what my I do. edge. Exactly. You know? This makes no, me this me. This is what I do. Yeah. But, no, it, it had become dangerous, and it was, um, it was stopping me from what I wanted, what my dream was. Well, because you would write about having these... Fits of just crying, crying, crying nonstop, oh, yeah. not I being able to get up. I cried just... all the time. I stayed in bed under uh-huh. the covers. Um, I But when I fell apart at an audition for the uh, show 30-something, mm-hmm. I'll never forget, um, I just, I crumbled. And I Peter Horton, scene. who was the director, he said, come on, Jennifer, you can do this. And I couldn't. And that's when I really knew I was in trouble. Something was wrong. Yeah. One of the things that you write about in the book is that that thing that was wrong would manifest itself in, um, well, how should I phrase it? You had a lot of sex. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a sex addiction. (laughs) Okay. You know, my drug of choice was sex. And thank God it was sex. And thank God, you know, I wasn't doing coke because you put that coke on top of that mania. Oh, Oh, it's over. So uh, when somebody asked somebody, how do you do it? They were passing around coke. And I said, how do you do it? He said, well, you just snorted. I said, well, then what happens? And he said, well, then you feel a drip down your throat. I said, my throat. I said, listen, fool, I have a matinee tomorrow. Ain't, I got to sing. Look, ain't going on my throat, you know, <laughs> but some rest so I can get that ovation tomorrow. Yeah. But here's the thing. The sex worked as, what can I tell you? The intensity in your depression mm-hmm. with that disease, with mm-hmm. this disease, bipolar disorder. The depression is as intense as the mania. Huh. So I used a gorgeous guy to have sex with uh-huh. to bring me down. Huh. It was the nightcap. 
it settled me. Well, ain't that the purpose of an orgasm? Let's come on now, y'all. Come on now. Let's keep it real in these streets. But of course, it was excessive in my case. Yeah. Well, and you write about having like sometimes in one night a few suitors. Well, okay. Were, that, hey, well, listen, I'm were, not okay. shaming you. Well, actually, there were five at one point. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I wasn't crazy, crazy. I mean, after all, I and had, you were in control. Yeah, I admire yeah. like every time. Like it was on Honey, your terms. I chose. Yeah. Uh, where, when, how? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was a big old control freak. I didn't know it. Yeah. But I had to. When you are out of control mm-hmm. inside, mm-hmm. you create that world yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And so you start to work with your therapist, Rachel. Mm-hmm. I went and got stuff. into therapy. Rachel sounds awesome. Yes, Rachel. Rachel was, gave honey, you some Rachel's tough love. fabulous. <laughs> Rachel don't play, honey. You can imagine. You know, you know she went to her shrink right after my sessions. <laughs> now, you know damn well she planned her session right after well, me, honey. Because I came in the yeah. Hurricane Lewis. Yeah. You know, but I... Um, I tell people you have to have patience. Well, because you, know, you write about yeah. how it, it wasn't just like you got the diagnosis and then yeah. things were great. It no. was a process. Talk Absolutely. about that process. Well, first of all, I had to get there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go because you're dealing with those deep, dark secrets. Mm. And I, of course, since then, I've come to the conclusion that we are as sick as our secrets. Yeah, you're you right. Know, that. There's no shame in my game, baby. I tell it all. This book, I lay it on the slab. I lay it on the slab. Yeah, you I did it. You name names. I did it. You name names. There what was I, one point I was like, what John I, Voight, yes, right. girl. Would I do it again? I most certainly will. <laughs> yeah, uh, John Boyd and I had, you know, a one night stand. It was wonderful. It, it look, he was a gentleman. <laughs> yes. He was. He was. You know, we talked. We. Went on a handsome carriage ride yeah. through Central Park. We met up at Studio 54. I love it. And it, you know, what can I tell you? I had my midnight cowboy. Hey! <laughs> I, I got you on track. We're talking about your treatment <laughs> and that okay. process. Uh, walk us through briefly those steps to being diagnosed to, you know, okay, working well, on it. I found out, of course, she diagnosed me, and I didn't pay any attention to it, you yeah. know. But I started reading about it. Mm-hmm. And I had all of the symptoms, so mm. I could not deny it. Yeah. And I went to a health spa. Okay. And, you know, it's wheat grass and every functional hole in your body, you know, grass, 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 <laughs> you know, sprouts and grass. Uh-huh. So when I left there, I was like, I don't need medication. Mm. I'm fine. Oops. Mm-hmm. Can't get off of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a nervous breakdown, literally, oh, when I was filming The Temptations. I crumbled. Oh, man. It was the dark night of the soul. And I called my therapist, Rachel, and mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm ready. I'm yeah. sick. I'm sick. Okay. And will you... Yeah. Will you please help me? Yeah. And those are the hardest words in the world to say. Well, because you're, you're, you're being so vulnerable in mm-hmm. that moment. And because so much of your persona that you had built... From yeah, I was childhood. the diva. You, oh, honey, and tough and strong. And, that was yes. a mask. Uh. And but there were the, the tears of a clown. Uh. I was the class clown. I was the president. I was the captain of the. Cheerios. You were like class president for how many years? From seventh grade through twelfth. <laughs> yeah. And when I got when I became a senior, I only won by one one, one vote. vote. Ooh, honey, I cussed them out. <laughs> I said, "Where's the loyalty up in here?" Yeah. But um, but yeah, the, the strength, you know, you had to kind of crack that shell. I was an alpha female, and yes. I I had to put up a steel wall mm-hmm. because I was so vulnerable. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a show called "The Diva Is Dismissed." Uh-huh. 
that helped me take that mask off yeah. and be vulnerable yeah. and be human. So this book is called The Mother of Black Hollywood, uh, in large part because you've played a lot of mother Oh, roles. my God. Tupac Shakur, Whitney Houston. Uh, who else? Uh, oh, my God. Taraji P. Henson's mother. Um, oh, my God. I can't even think of all You were them. the mother in What's Love Got to Do. That's it, right, right. Tina Turner. And you were, what were you in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I was on Aunt Helen. Yes, yes, <laughs> Everybody yes. loves on Helen. Helen. Oh, my God. Yeah. You did so much. Um, I'm sure you must have. What was the favorite mother role? What's love got to do with it? Really? Yes, yes. The Tina Turner uh, biopic. Uh, Because, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I had fallen in love right before the movie. With it. Oh, well, he was a young, well, he was an Armenian guy. He was gorgeous. He looked like Richard Gere, and he was, he just loved me. No name. His name was, I don't even know. I know his name, but we don't need to call him his name. You're right. right. Don't call him That's over. Yes. Married with children, but that's who it was, and I was in love. And when you're in love, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of fear in you. Yeah, yeah. There's no room for it in your yeah. heart and soul. Yeah. So when I arrived on the first day of shooting What's Love Got to Do With It, it was two big Zelma Bullock scenes. Huh. So I walked in and the house was Zelma's house, uh-huh. all the cable and the cameras, and I stood there. I was like, because it was my first big role uh-huh. in a movie. Yeah. And I stood there and I went, wow, <laughs> this is all for me. Yeah. And I knew I had a big responsibility to deliver a great performance. And you did. And because Elma Bullock, Tina Turner's mama, was from St. Louis, hey. You felt that I role. gathered up my yes. aunts and my own mother, honey. I created Zelma. And you yes. know, I met her years later. Really? Tina Turner's yes, mother yes, yes, in yes. a in health food store. store. Yeah. And she hugged me and she pulled back from me and she said, in that Tina Turner, she, oh my God, Tina looks just like her. Really? And she had Tina's form. She was was very fit for, yeah. for a woman of her age yeah. and she hugged me she said and I understood this because she was from St. Louis mm-hmm. she said I wanted to be so dressed up when I met you oh that's the sweetest thing that in the is. world that oh my is. god I love that. so sweet I love that I, so there's so many great stories in this book mm-hmm. but I want you for our listeners to talk about the time you uh Got yourself onto the floor of the DNC in Denver to see Barack Obama <laughs> receive a nomination from the oh Democratic Party to be president. Well, they got me a ticket, and it was on the top row behind Obama, behind the podium. And you were like, we can't do oh, that. Oh, honey, I started carrying on. I was like, oh, not on this day. But even before that, you well, were was, outside in line. But I was doing Hairspray in uh-huh. uh, on Broadway. Yeah. Playing Motormouth, Mabel. It was written by my good friend Scott Whitman and, mm-hmm. and Mark Shaman. They did the music and lyrics. And um, I told Hairspray, I said, honey, a black man is about to accept the nomination to run for president of the United States, and I am going. So get my understudy. So (laughs) I flew up there. I stayed with a friend. You couldn't get a hotel room. And I left early because I know when it's that me, honey, I'm in the theater. I know to get there. So it was so fun. I got off the bus, and 40,000 people were in line to get into that stadium. And this uh, very beautiful woman... um, she said, Lana Hawkins, which was my name in the TV show uh, Strong, Strong Medicine, Medicine yeah. on Lifetime Television yeah. for Women. 
And I, oh, I was like, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> somebody knew me. I knew somebody was going to get me in. Yeah. Thank God I was famous. Oh, yeah. my God. I was so happy. But first you so, had to skip the line. Yes, I had to skip the line, honey. And I walked. She said, the only way I can get you across this parking lot, baby, is I got to put you in a wheelchair. So, honey, <laughs> I start sliding my right foot like Igor, you know, Dracula's assistant. Oh, oh yes, honey. I put on a performance and I had to go through security. I kept telling I'm with the Jesse Jackson people. I just told any lie. At one point, of. you said that you were Michelle Obama's best yes, friend. Yes, I said, Oh, darling. He said, Ma'am, are you a delegate? Because I'd sat in the wrong section. Because at that point, yeah. you're like on the floor, right, I'm like on the in the floor, heat child. of the action. I, oh, my God. And he said, Ma'am, are you a delegate? I said, Oh, yes. I'm one of Michelle Obama's old college friends. <laughs> Lying through my teeth. And he looked at me like, I ain't seen you in none of the parties. I said, oh, my God. So I saw Jesse Jackson Jr. on the front row. Yes. And he was being a politician, shaking people's hands, and I touched him on the shoulder. And he turned around, and before I could say anything, he was like, my favorite actress. And yeah. he said, it's so good to see you. I said, Jesse, they're getting ready to throw me out because I sneaked down here. Yeah. And he, went, he pulled me back by my shoulder, looked me in my eyes. He said, no, they're not. Sit down. And look at that. Oh, my God. So there I was. Yeah. Ten feet. Wow. Right in front of him in the Illinois section oh between Jesse Jackson Jr. and Spike Lee what? watching the greatest speech. Did you think it would have, you know, to see that happen in 08, you grew up in a very different America. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you believe that it could happen? You know, you want the truth? Yeah. I voted for Hillary because I didn't want my vote to be wasted. This is the first time I'm admitting this. Okay. I thought in myself, there's no way. A lot of folks will, thought that. They will elect a black man with that as name. President of the United States. Obama? No. Now, I loved him, but I wanted Hillary. Yeah. Now, and here's how that ended. When I was at Oprah's house, uh -huh. I went up behind Michelle. Uh -huh. And you know, she turned around, mm -hmm. looked down, because I'm so short. <laughs> and the first word she says to me, you make us laugh. <gasps> Look at that. Oh, Look that she that. even knew who I was. It was just so wonderful. Yeah. So when she embraced me, mm -hmm. I whispered in her ear. I said, you know, black people don't like me. Mm. They love me. <laughs> so put me on the front line for... Barack Obama and wow. she looked at me and she said I'm gonna hold you to it wow and baby I got I was blessed to meet him at a Christmas party at the White House you wanna know what he said to what me what did he say okay okay here's what Obama <laughs> said and I'm gonna try to do it okay <laughs> you can do it you can do it yeah he said oh she plays everybody's mama <laughs> and sometimes the mean mama <laughs> and then he looked around the room he said but look at her. She's sweet. <laughs> oh, my God. She's sweet. And somebody She's captured sweet. that moment. Oh, I love I'm it. telling you, I've never seen my body language. I look like a 15-year-old really? girl. What were you doing? Gushing. <laughs> I just couldn't believe I was looking into his eyes. Damn. And I was there at the inauguration, too. Good on you. I couldn't put every story in the book. Yes. But it was similar to the convention. All right, time for a break. We are talking with the legendary actress Jennifer Lewis. She has a new book out. It's called The Mother of Black Hollywood. After the break, uh, we'll talk more about Jennifer's small-town dreams in Kinlock, Missouri, where she grew up, and how she never stopped believing that she could make it big in the Big Apple. BRB. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from St. Louis Public Radio and PRX, presenting the podcast, We Live Here, real talk about race and class that doesn't feel like homework. You'll hear investigations and stories of ordinary people. You can start by checking out an episode that has two best friends, one who is white and one who is not, getting quizzed about what it means to be an ally. Listen to We Live Here, where you get your podcasts. Support also comes from Discover. The traditional first anniversary gift is paper. Most couples aren't gifting each other stationery, but Discover is following this anniversary tradition for its new card members. At the end of your first year, Discover will match all the cash back you earn dollar for dollar. No caps and no cash. That's a paper anniversary gift in the form of a cash back bonus. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Cash back match offer only for new card members. Limitations apply. Five, four, space. It used to be the playground of governments, but now rockets and satellites are becoming so small, so cheap, that even a podcast can do it. We have ignition. I'm Robert Smith, and starting November 29th, the Planet Money team launches their very own satellite into the cosmos. Listen on NPR One or that app you're using right now. Copy that app, one. Let's talk about your upbringing. You were one of seven children, Mm -hmm. grew up. Like literally dirt poor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. taking stuff to an, to an outhouse, yes. taking the pail of whatever Absolutely. outside. Absolutely. Um, how did growing up where you did uh, in a segregated town outside of St. Louis, mm-hmm. that poor, how did it affect the artist you are today and make it who you are? I can feel yeah. a, a lot of the church in everything that you do. Oh, yes, obviously. absolutely. My mother was a great woman. Yeah. She worked two, three jobs to feed all seven of us. I was the baby. So by the time I came along, honey, she was exhausted. She was 26 with her seventh child. Oh, my goodness. And she was like, you go tell your big sister. Mm -hmm. So I was starved for attention. Mm. She had time to feed us, clothe us, keep a roof over us. And that was all she could do. But there was no time for affection. And she was kind of a tough woman. Yeah, she was tough, honey. Oh, she told us, she said, one of y'all land in jail, I'll leave you there. Okay. And when, like I said, when my mother said something, you listened. Mm-hmm. But she also instilled work ethics in us. My mother got off welfare purposefully. Yeah. She didn't want nobody coming to her door and asking her for yeah. this and that and then telling her how to live. Uh-huh. And then, like, she eventually said... Scrubbing floors, she mm-hmm. saved up enough money to buy a house for y'all. That's right. We got a new house. Ooh, we were so happy. We were running through the house. We had more than one bathroom. We had running water. You know, and she took the stairs. That's where I learned how to take the stairs. Yeah. To be patient for what it is yeah. that you want. Yeah. And I admire her for it. I admire her for it. And, you know, it's clear that you love her. Mm-hmm. But you also had to acknowledge some of the negative traits Absolutely. that you saw in her were in Absolutely. you. Talk about that and how you reconcile that. I most certainly will. I uh, was molested by the pastor of my church when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And my mother was in love with him. And um, I ran in the house. I told her. I could see clearly see she was angry. Yeah. And she attempted to have a conversation about it. Uh-huh. But you know, she didn't want. She to. couldn't. So and, she didn't confront him. And about then it. we we. Oh no, she confronted him. Okay. But then we never talked about it. Uh. See, so I was left with it. Yeah. And we never discussed it again. So, 
She wasn't the type of woman that would sit down and talk yeah. about things. She just kept moving through life. Yeah. It was another time, another generation. Oh, yeah. Only five generations. You suck it up, you move on. It's five generations from slavery, child. Yeah. We yeah. had to eat. My yeah. mother had to make sure we had food. Yeah. You see. So um, I confronted him years later. Uh, you called him up. and um, I also confronted her in a letter. And years later, you know, it was rough times to yeah. do that. We talked through it. And, you know, you can only go so far. I'd had a lot of therapy. She hadn't. Yeah. You know, so. But she did acknowledge it. Did she, you, did, yeah. she did apologize. Did you forgive her? Oh, God, yes. I don't know that I even like that word that okay. I forgave her. Why? Let's just put it like this. I became forgiving Yeah. in my own soul. And it's an active thing. Because, honey, let's face it. When somebody hurts you that bad, you don't forget that Yeah. But I became a forgiving person. Yeah. Let's yeah. put it like that. Now, him, he also apologized. And you sure did call him out in that book. I sure By did. name. The name yes. of that chapter. Yeah. And I know you will bleep it. But when I called him, it was like, hello, Jennifer. Oh, we've seen you on television. We're so proud of you. I called. I said, it ain't that kind of call. My <laughs> I sure said it. Yes. And I said, you hang up this phone. I'll fly back to St. Louis and I'll blow that pathetic little storefront church of yours I'll blow it up wow I was so mad but I got I felt so free after I confronted him and I want to say to everybody out there yeah nobody has a right to touch you or emotionally abuse you yeah so you tell and don't let that suffocate you in your life and you sitting somewhere eating yourself to death or crying yourself to death. Yeah. You're worthy of a good life. Yeah. And guess who I had to be forgiving of? Hmm. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know? What does that process feel like? Because the hardest part must I be forgiving yourself. I will tell you one thing. It's hard. Yeah. And it's a process. It doesn't come overnight. Yeah. I wanted to do it because I wanted to I wanted to see on my face what was on everybody else's face which was laughter and a smile because yeah. when I left I don't leave a room unless I leave them laughing. There you go. <laughs> so I wanted to laugh and yeah. I wanted to smile. I didn't want to be depressed all the time mm -hmm. and I was mm -hmm. when I was untreated bipolar. Yeah. So I worked hard. I worked hard. So let's go back to you being a kid and performing in front of an audience for the first time. You describe your five-year-old self mm -hmm. in church in Kenlock, yes. Missouri, and you wanted to sing and you wanted to sing and you mm -hmm. begged them and they finally let you sing. Mm -hmm. And you describe your full diva-ness yes. at five years old. What was, was the song you sang? It was called, Oh Lord, uh -huh. You've Brought Me a Mighty Long and Way. And you talk about and I was five. wearing that... That's back, right, honey. I did a back bend. I snatched the, the, the church fan from the usher and fan myself. I was so dramatic coming down that aisle because you had to walk down the aisle oh, yeah, to get to, to the get squire to the, stand, yes. which represented the ship that would cross the River Jordan. How long was your walk? Oh, well, I stretched it out to about five hours. <laughs> Can you sing a bit of the song? Oh, Lord. 
da. You brought me a mighty long way. I endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was doing all that screaming. It was like, yeah, yeah. you brought me, Lord. You so know. you knew then. Yes, absolutely. You knew you had the bug then. When I saw the reaction of the congregation, yeah. it washed over me like a tsunami. Yeah. A tsunami of love. And honey... I put my thumb in my mouth, my eyes crossed. I went back to my seat in the choir stand, and I was thinking, That's it. this is life. And I never looked back. Yeah. I want to talk about Blackish. Hey, Blackish. That show is so good. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a cherry on hmm. the top of my career? Huh. Wow. Yeah. They're addressing all the modern day issues. Yeah. To push these boundaries. ABC, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of Disney. They're allowing it to manifest, to help. We need these conversations now. The police brutality, the N-word, depression. Yeah, yeah deal just, with you know, it all. Kenya Barris, the creator of Blackish, is a genius. The cast is amazing. Anthony, my, my chemistry with him, we are just damn fools together, Anthony <laughs> Anderson and I. Tracy Ellis Ross. And you knew her Ruby. from Girlfriends, oh, Yes, we did right? Girlfriends together. Yeah. Uh, our uh, Ruby and the Rainbow um, relationship Rainbow on that is, show. Uh, it's just we have so much fun. <laughs> uh, we come in there and laugh, and then yeah. we have to go at each other. Yeah. The children are great. So good. Uh, and I describe working with Lawrence Fishburne in the book. I tell everybody, they say, oh my God, how is it working with Lawrence Fishburne? I say, honey, it's ice cream, cotton candy, and Christmas morning. Hey! <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah! So your character, Ruby, mm-hmm. how would you describe her? Ruby is sassy. Yeah. She's a hot mess. <laughs> She's got a good heart, though. And she loves those and kids. And that's why everybody loves her. She yeah. loves her grandbabies. You know, she just went through a lot in her life, too. Come on, she done shot her husband. <laughs> she done drove the car through, because <laughs> done scammed her son. You know, she done, she got scammed, and you find out she was a scammer, <laughs> and then she scams her son. It, it, What's the scene where you, <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to scam on the street as Ruby, um, you're like, a veteran we, who no, can't we redid walk. Uh, Eddie Murphy's scene in Trading Places yes. where he's begging for money on the streets, pretending he can't walk. The policemen pick him up and his legs come down to the ground. And he says, it's I'm hysterical. healed. Yeah, I'm healed, Black Jesus. Black Jesus. You know, she's constantly calling Black Jesus. But everybody loves I love uh, Ruby, yeah. and I'm having the time of my life playing yeah. her. You write in the book, though, that so they asked for you personally to play this role mm-hmm. but yes. that you, your first day mm-hmm. on set you write that you were kind of terrified oh why God, I was so nervous why well, I had just come off vacation and okay. I had eaten so many desserts <laughs> but the way you describe that fear the first time on that set how'd you get over it well I trusted what I had done all my life yeah which was to make people laugh and, you did. and when I delivered that first line, what was the first line? Oh, I, well, I can't remember That's what it okay. was, but whatever it was, it worked. Everybody broke into laughter, and it. all of my fear went away. And the show has this unique role in the culture right now because, like you said, it's not just a comedy show. Mm-hmm. They're teaching people things. It's the magic of the writers. Yeah, the writers are the stars of Blackish. Mm. When we get those scripts, we're excited. 
Yeah. We're, we're, getting, we're getting ready to do something that's going to make a difference. And not only make a difference, but it's going to make people laugh. Yeah. It's going to make them think. Yes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pull out. It's going to make conversation around the dinner table. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is that um, I am honored to yeah. be on Blackish. Like I said, I can't say it enough. It's a cherry on the top of a very long career. So then if this is the cherry, mm-hmm. what's next? All right. Something's brewing. I can't. <laughs> okay, okay, I swear to okay. you, Sam, I can't <laughs> announce it yet. But something really big is brewing. I'm excited for yes, it. Yes, I'm excited too. I'm so excited And I, you know, it. I don't announce things, honey, until that contract is signed. <laughs> because in this business, it you comes and it goes. Yeah. It goes yeah. and it comes. Yeah. Well... I, I want to thank you for sharing your story in the book and sharing it here with me now. And I oh. want you, last question, how is your art different and your work different now that you've gone through this process of being vulnerable? Oh, my God. I'm, to, I'm free. All of your mental health. You're free. What does that mean? Can, well, let's just say it like this. Yeah. I'm not scared of too many things. I like that. I'm like, bring it, bitch. <laughs> Let's talk through it. Let's work through it. Yeah. Or you go your way and I'll go yeah. mine. Because I don't go in for stress. I'm 60 years old, baby. I got about 35 more summers left. Mm-hmm. You don't get it mm-hmm. if you're coming yeah. in a negative way. I don't have time for it anymore. Yeah. I have a beautiful life now. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. And I'm very grateful. You know, I lived the American dream. You did. I went from a poor little girl in Kenlock, Missouri, yeah. and now 70 and movies you. later. That's right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. Okay. That was the original diva, Miss Jennifer Lewis. Her new memoir is called The Mother of Black Hollywood. It's out now. Put it on your must-read list pronto. She spills all the tea. There is so much in there. I loved, loved, loved this book. Also, uh, thanks to Jennifer for calling up my Aunt Betty. Hey, Betty. A friend wants to say hi to you really quick. Okay. Hey, Betty, this is Jennifer Lewis. How you doing, baby? Oh, my God. <laughs> Girl, no, no, somebody else sounds like me. Now, you know damn well it's me. Ain't no other voice coming at you like this. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. We'll be back in your feeds on Friday with our weekly wrap on the news. A reminder to all of you, send me the best thing that happened to you this week. Email me at samsanders at npr.org and do not forget to brag. Also, we'll tell you again, but uh, support this podcast. Support your local public radio station. Go to donate.npr.org slash sam to do just that. All right, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Talk soon. 